Okay, we're starting here on the top of Kufiud Beram and Aleph. The Gemara here is continuing to discuss the Mishnah. The Mishnah had laid out examples of certain types of tying on Shabbat that was considered to be permissible. Now, Gemara wants to understand why the Mishnah had to bring some of these items. Some of them seem simple or obvious that they are mutar. That's simple, of course. You can open and close the tie for the shirt. It says, Lo tzricha ditla trei dashi. It's two loops or two strings through. So whether this is where you have a collar that comes down, the equivalent of a polo shirt, and the opening over here around the collar area has a cut, and then you have two strings across where you tie it, or akin to what the sailors have. So if you have two of those, and then you can undo one and pull it over your head with difficulty. Like if you have one button closed, you can still put it over your head. You open up two buttons, it's much easier. So that's what the Gemara says here. That, trade dashi, what I've thought, I would have thought that one of them, he disregards, he nullifies, meaning that he'll leave it tied. And he only opens and closes one of the two ties. That that's not the case. That we don't assume that a person is going to utilize it in such a way that it'll be difficult to get it on and off, or he'll go through that difficulty. He'd rather open it up each time. And so because of that, we don't worry about these knots or tying these strings on Shabbat because we assume that he's going to undo them. When he talks about the strings, the straps from the hair covering. Again, the Gemara says Pshita. In order for the woman to remove the hair covering, she has to untie it. So why should it be considered to be a problem of Kesher on Shabbat? That she makes it a little loose. She makes it a little loose so that she can pull it off and put it back on without tying it or untying it. The woman worries about her hair and therefore she undoes it. The way Rashi reads it that she's worried about her hair that she'll actually pull some of her hair out by doing this, by keeping it in a tight way and pulling it off. Or could say however she made her hair or tucked it in, when she pulls it off, it'll undo whatever she had done also. That's another possibility. But she would rather untie the hair covering than slide it on, slide it off, because of the impact that has on her hair. Rashi points out that the same answer can be given with regards to a piskia belt, that we could have asked the question, why isn't it pshita when you wear a belt that you're going to undo the string straps that tie the belt on? The answer could be similar to what we said with the hair covering, that she wears the belt in a loose manner. That way she could slide the belt up and down. Rashi says, well, because of tzniut, she wouldn't do it in that way. So we assume that she will tie and untie the belt in each instance. Utsuot manal v'sandal. Perhaps are strings of shoes and sandals. Itmar. Hitir ritsuot manal v'sandal. So we have brightot here, which we're going to bring. That a person who undoes the straps, the strings that are attached to the sandal and to the shoe. Tani chada chayv chatat. We have one brightot that says, You're culpable mido oraito amina Torah. Tani idach patur avalasur. We have another brightot that says, You only have mido rabanan. Patur midoraita, but midrabanan say don't do this. Vitaniidach muta lechatila. There's the last brayta which says it's completely mutar. So kasha min alaminal, kasha sandal asandal. So we have a problem within the shoe, and we have a problem within the sandal. And we have three different opinions as to what the status of these items are. So the Gemara is going to set up an ukimta that each one of these brightos is talking about a different case. 
And that is why they come up with different conclusions. I mentioned yesterday that I wanted to discuss the issue of matir here in the context of kosher. In the Mishnah in Kalal Gadol, there are certain melachot where the Mishnah makes it clear that if it is a destructive type of melacha, a melacha that is mikalkel, that you have to do it al-minat. So for instance, in the Mishnah there it mentions that ha is al-minat litfor. It doesn't just say korea. On the other hand, there's some melachot where they are quasi-destructive in form, they are mikalkel, and yet the Mishnah does not connect them to the constructive melacha that they're associated with. For instance, here we have kosher and matir. Matir, in the Mishnah, doesn't say you have to be matir al-minat likshor. question is, does that make any difference? And what is the implications of the fact that the Mishnah sometimes does connect it and doesn't connect it? The Rosh over here in our sugi with regards to kosher says that matir is only chayav if it's matir almanat likshor. The rush takes the model or paradigm set up by the Mishnah and says that it applies not only to those where it says, for instance, a korea almanat for, but also in the instance of matir. Matir, which is the opposite of the negative, destructive form of the constructive malacha of kosher, must be done almanat likshor. One of the proofs that the rush states to his position is the example or paradigm of the melacha of matir in the Mishkan. And the example of that was the Tzaydei Chilazon, those that were making the nets to trap the Chilazon. And the Gemara there says that they had to untie and tie the nets to make them bigger or smaller, depending on what they needed. So you see from the description of the melechet Mishkan that is associated with matir, that it was a matir, they used to untie the nets to retie them in smaller forms or tie them together in bigger forms. They were making them bigger and smaller by tying knots. So there was a direct connection between the matir and the kosher. And that's why the rush concludes that it has to be matir amanat likshor. The Beit Yosef, when discussing this rush, says that even the rush agrees if you do matir, shonol amanat likshor, which would not be the chiv doraita, where you simply do matir, at least there would be an iser de rabbanan. The Ramor, when he quotes this la'alacha in Siman Shudnut Zayin, if alif, says, hatarato. Dina kishirato. He's quoting the tour and saying basically that the matir is just the polar opposite of kosher. Whatever you are chayaf for for kosher, you're chayaf for for matir. Beralacha over here in that same Simon and Shimon Sun Yudzayin says there are numerous Rishonim that first of all disagree with the Rosh, including Rashi, the Rambam, seem to disagree with this whole position of the Rosh. And in addition to that, he says, even those Malachot that are written in the Mishnah that specifically have the destructive Malachot connected to the constructive Malachot, for instance, HaKoreya Amanatlit 4, we see examples in the Gemara that say that it does not necessarily have to be Koreya Amanatlit 4. It simply has to be a Koreya that is constructive destructive in nature. So if it's a destructive malacha, the Mishnah is just telling you that it just can't be mikhal gel. It has to be something that is constructive in nature. And that's what we had previously in the Gemara, that a person is kore v'chamato, someone who is kore evlo. Those are items that are considered to be kriyad, that is problematic on Shabbat, not because it's almanat litfor, but simply because it's constructive in nature. And based on that, it should be alachat kama v'chama, certainly by kosher matir, where the Mishnah makes no such stipulation. It should be that matir is able to stand on its own without being connected to kosher. And therefore, as long as the matir is constructive in nature, that would be enough to make one culpable for the malachah of matir on Shabbat. One of his rayot is from our Gemara right here. The Gemara here asks about a stira between the different brightot. A case of matir, one bright says, Yochai Midor, right? The one Chai Midor Abonan, one Mutar Gamre. So why did the Gemara just answer? I have an easy answer for you. One of them is matir Amanat Likshor, and one of them is matir Shalom Amanat Likshor. 
you could have differentiated in the matter between whether it was done for kshira or not done for kshira based on what the rush says. Therefore, the Baralacha concludes that that cannot be the explanation. Obviously, the Gemara did not use that as the answer because it's just not true. That matir does not have to be Amanat Likshor, and one is Chayav for matir as long as they do it in a constructive manner. Very important Baralacha that's found in Siman Shin Yud Zayin. says, Shu isn't a problem. Chayav Chatat. Case where it's Chayav Chatat is Bidu Ushkape. We're talking about the shoemaker, the cobbler, because when he ties whatever he ties there, it's permanent. It's not coming out. He ties it in. One of two possibilities of what it ties in, equivalent today of the modern sandal today, you have a strap in the front, and then you have the strap in the back. So today, in the front, there's a buckle there, but usually a person sets that up and doesn't undo that. They take the sandal or the shoe on and off by undoing the upper strap, and they leave the lower strap in place. So the same thing here with regards to the shoe. The lower part of the shoe, or the toe part of the shoe, the shoemaker cobbler will tie in place, and it'll remain there permanently. And that's why you're chayav fatat, because that's a kesher shel kayama. According to Rashi, that's because kayam de olam. Rashi l'shitoto, that's all about duration. Therefore, it's there forever, therefore you're chayav. According to the Rif and the Rabbam, you have both things. You have it there be permanent, plus it's being done by a professional, being done by the shoemaker, the cobbler. So that's why there you be chayav the rush suggests that it's the shoelace, but the beginning of the shoelace. When you insert the shoelace, unlike what we do today where we strap it in, we make a loop, and we bring it all the way up to the top, their shoelace might have started by knotting one end. Knotting one end and inserting it into the hole so that would grab the edge or whatever's at the bottom to lock it in place. The rush suggests that that's the knot that we're talking about here, that knot which won't allow the strap or the string to come out. Oh, right, in the army shoes, right, where they don't loop it through the bottom, they tie a knot and they pull it up. They work it up to the top, yeah. They work it up to the top. So the same type of thing. That's another suggestion about what this knot is that we're speaking about here. Both those instances, Yechayev Chatat. Again, permanence for Rashi and for the Rif Naram, I'm also talking about a professional being involved. Then the next one is Potu Asur. The Isur de Rabbanan is in a shoe de Rabbanan. A Rabbanan shoe. And then we'll just do the last one, come back and explain this. Mutu Lechatchila Bedumneib Chuza. To do with the people of Mechuza. So here you're talking about shoes that are tied up, probably similar to the Roman sandals of that time, but here we're doing it in a shoe form. So that is that it's tied above the ankle or in the calf area, and depending on how tight you tie it, you would be able to slip the shoe on and off, or you'd have to untie it to undo the shoe. So we've met the Bnei Bechuza before, the Bnei Bechuza are Mefanke, they are delicate, pampered, and they like to have everything be exact, and they like their shoes tied tight. And that means, or that requires them to undo their shoe every day. So Rashi says, to take it off every day. Having to take it off every day, you would have to untie it in order to do that. Because they like it tied tight. And then when they undo it, they release the foot from that shoe, you have to untie it. The shoe de Rabbanan is equivalent of a slip-on, penny loafers, moccasins, where you actually tie them once, and then you slip your foot in and out. Now, it can come undone after a while. It's not permanent, the knot. The tying is not permanent. You put it in, you tie it, and then you leave it there for a while. You slip the shoe on and off for a number of weeks, and then later on you redo the tying when it starts to loosen. So that's the shoe de Rabbanan. So that's how you do the three different levels of shoes. You have a knot that is permanent, done by a professional. You have the middle knot, which is done by a lay person, but the problem is that it's there for long duration because you don't untie it every day. You slip your foot in and out of the shoe. And the last one where you tie it tight each day, 
equivalent of our shoelaces today, where you tie it tight, and then to undo the shoe, you must untie it or put it back on. You have to tie it, untie it, and retie it. So that would be the equivalent of our shoelaces today. That is mutar lechatchila. Then sandal and sandal lokasho. The rest of the sand, we have the same thing. Hadik tani chayav chatat biditai. An Arab merchant, an Ishmaeli, the katre ushkape. It is tied by the shoemaker, by the cobbler. Patovar The case of Yisur de Ramanan is bidichumrata, the katre inhu. Tying that they themselves do. And mutar lechatchila is besandgal denafak beitre. It's a sandal that's worn by two people. So here again, we'll work backwards. The sandal that's where, where two people has to be adjusted each time. Two people wear it. They don't have the same size foot exactly. So that type of knotting, you'd have to undo and redo the knotting in order to size it properly for the individual who is wearing it. Now over here, we might be talking about, again, a sandal equivalent to today's sandals, but their sandals had the heel in the back that seems to lock in place, and then you could tie the front piece, or the other way around, the front piece could be in place, and then you tie the back piece. If it is done for the Arab merchants, as done by the cobblers or the shoemakers, they tie it once, and it stays. That's it. It's locked in place. It's not going to move. It's not going to change that knot. And you slide your foot in and out of it. The one that is tied by the merchants themselves, it's not permanent, because they're not professionals, but it's something that stays for a while. They tie it once, and they leave it there for a while, because they don't have to undo it or untie it. The last case is a case where two people are sharing the shoe. They're going to have to tie it and untie it every time, because they need to size it to their foot to make sure that it fits properly. If you think about today, your sandals, you have some sandals that have a strap around them or something that's tied that's permanent. You never change it. It never moves. You don't even have to do anything. It's, it's sealed in place. It's locked, and you slip your foot into it. That would be the equivalent of the shkape over here, the shoemaker or the cobbler, because in that instance, it's not going to be changed. case where you tie it, or you buckle it, or you tie it, that's something that, again, you leave for long duration, but sometimes you would tie it and untie it. As opposed to the one where you have to untie it each day, every time someone else puts it on, you're going to have to change the sizing on the shoe. So that's how the Gemara reconciles between the three braytot, one by the sandal and one by the minal. So the last case there, the Gemara says that it's a sandal, the nafiqa bebe trey kedrav yudah. So if Yehuda, Achua the Rav Salas Chasida, or if Yehuda, the brother of Rav Salah Chasida, Avalei Hauzuga the Sandalei, had a pair of sandals, Zimne Nafik Beit Yehu, Zimne Nafik Beit Yehu, okay. Sometimes he wore them, sometimes his child wore them. After the Kamei Abaye, Rav Yehuda came to Abaye Malei, Ki Aigav Namai. What's the din with regards to these sandals, the tying of these sandals? Is it a problem? Amalei, Chayav Chatat. Problem Del Raita. Amalei. I, I was just wondering, even if it's also Midar Abanan, between Mutar and also Midar Abanan. And you're suggesting to me that I should be Chayev Chatat? We're not even in the same ballpark here. My time. So Abaye had said to him, my time, what's the reason that you would have thought it was only also Midar Abanan, or maybe Mutar Lechatechila, as opposed to also Midaraita? Amalei, Mishom, Yehuda responds to him, even on a weekday, sometimes, I go out with it. Zimne nafik bay yinoka. Someone the child goes out with it, so it's adjusted. That's the case. It's mutalechatchila. Right. So Rabbi Yehuda in the beginning seemed to say he just saw a sandal. He goes, you tie this sandal. This looks like a knot that's going to remain permanent. Not going to change it. So that's chayiv chatat. On the other hand, once he heard that it was a, something that was adjusted on a regular basis, then he said, oh wait, that is mutar lechatchila. Rabbi Yirmiyahu Kaazel betrayed the Rabbi Avoh. 
Rabbi Yirmi was walking behind Rabbi Yabao with Carmelites in an area that was designated as a Carmelite. Siklei Ritzua de Sandale, one of the Ritzuot of Rabbi Yirmiya's sandal snapped off, broke off. What should I do with it? Take a moist reed, that is good for animal feed because then you won't have a problem of muksit since it could be utilized on Shabbat. And then tie it around. You take this reed and you tie it over the shoe to replace the part, the strap that snapped off. You'll use this reed, you'll tie it under the sole, over the top, and you'll tie down the sandal with this reed. Abayi was sitting in front of Rav Yosef. Others have the gear so you can see in the Masorot Tashas, which is its equivalent to the case before, which is Abayi Kava Azul Batar Rav Yosef. Abayi was walking behind Rav Yosef, and he had a similar experience. One of his straps, chair. What should I do with it? He says to his Rebbe, Rav Yosef. Leave it there. Why did Rav Yosef tell Abayi to leave it there? On the other hand, in the case of Rav Yirmiya, and Rabbi Abou, Rabbi Abou told Rabbi Yirmiya to put on a reed and take it. There's hatam lo mintar, hacha mintar. The difference between the locations. Over there was out in a Carmelite, which is a quasi-public place. To a quasi-public place, if Rabbi Yirmiya had left his sandal there, it wouldn't have been there when he came back for it. On the other hand, here you will buy it. We're in a place where there's not heavy traffic. If you leave this sandal here, you'll come back later and you'll pick it up. It won't be a problem. But the question is, why leave it there? Even if you can't strap it on or put it on, why should you have to leave it there? The assumption being that it's a problem of muksa now. Problem muksa because you can't use it as a kli anymore. It's not a utensil that would be useful on Shabbat. So therefore, it automatically becomes muksa. When it says, I don't understand that, vaha manuhu. That is still considered to be a kli. Why can't he pick it up? Why is it a kli? Because I can swap the feet. I used to wear it on my right foot. I can put it on my left foot. If on my left foot, I can put it on my right foot. The assumption here being that, unlike our shoes, which are shaped to be right and left, they had their soles or their shoes were equally built so that you could switch them between either foot, between the right or the left side. The question is, why does that help you? Because... The way that Rabbi Yochanan had explained Rabbi Yehuda, the fact that Rabbi Yochanan went out of his way to explain the position of Rabbi Yehuda, that tells us the Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda. So my, what's this cryptic statement that we have here from Yochanan? You have a sandal of which the two straps or side pieces broke off. So here, the question of whether there's a difference between Oznav and Tarsiotav, many of the Rishonim believe that they are synonyms, interchangeable words. Some bring a proof from the Tosefta, it means the size or the width of the strap. A thinner strap is Oznav and Tarsiotav, are thicker straps. The basic idea being that the sandal has these two ears, we'll call them, that come off uh, of the side, and each ear has a hole in it. And you use straps to tie those two ears together. So the oznav are the ears falling away. Some say that tarsiot are the straps that allow you to tie the oznaim together, allow you to tie these two ears together, or they're attached to the oznaim, and they allow you to tie it together. So you have different options as to exactly what it looks like. But these are pieces on the side that allow you to strap on the sandal to your foot. So if they fall away, or the entire sole is removed, then it's no longer classified as a sandal or as a shoe anymore because it's lost some of the primary things that make it into a shoe. So, or the ears on the side, or the straps on the side, which allow you to fasten the shoe to the foot, 
Those are missing, then it's tahor because it's no longer a kli. If only one of the ears falls off, or one of the straps falls off, or only a majority of the soul, but there's a portion of the soul left, then it remains tamay. It's still functional. If the inner strap or ear breaks, then it's Tamei. If it's the outer strap or the outer ear, then it is Tahor. What's the difference between the inner strap and the outer strap? It's a question now of being visible. To fix the ear or the strap, you'd have to stitch it back on, you'd have to patch it back on. It doesn't look nice. If it's on the inside of the foot, then you're not going to mind that so much because nobody sees it. Since nobody sees it, you'd be okay with that, and that's why it remains Tamei. On the other hand, if it's the outer side of the shoe or the strapping, then you wouldn't be willing to fix it or patch it up because it would be clearly visible when you did that to people on the outside that this was a stitched up shoe. This didn't look nice because of this mending of the sandal or the shoe. That's Rabbi Yehuda's opinion over here. Then, Here's the statement of Rabbi The same way we have a machloket here with regards to Tumah, so too we have a machloket for Shabbat. Shabbat kli makes a difference because something that's a kli is not muksa. Something that's not a kli is muksa by tumah. Something that is a kli is tamei or can be mekabel tumah. Something that's not a kli is tohor or becomes tohor because it's no longer a kli. So he says the machloket here that we're seeing in this breita with regards to the sandal is also the same machloket we would see by Shabbat. Regards to chalitza, that is not true. Who is Rabbi Yochanan explaining in the bright? We have the position of the Chachamim and the position of Rabbi Yudah. If we're talking about the position of the Rabbanan, according to the Rabbanan, if you lose one of the straps, it's still considered a kli. So too for Shabbat, you lose one strap, it's still a kli, and it's not the muksa. And then not for chalitza, if you lose one of the straps or one of the ears, then it's no longer good for chalitza. Because it's not considered to be a kli. Don't we have a mishnah? If you use the left shoe on the right foot for chalitza, it's kshera. So if you can switch the shoes around, it's considered to be fine in terms of chalitza. If you can switch the shoes around, certainly when you're just missing one of these straps, it's still a clean, then that certainly should be fine in terms of chalitza. Vela aliba de Rabbi Yehuda. Must be that he is saying this according to Rabbi Yehuda. So by Tumah, it's not considered to be a Kli if you lose the outer strap or the outer ear. In Shabbat, Nami Lab Manu. By Shabbat, it's not a Kli either. Avalod Chalitza Demonu. By Chalitza, it is considered to be a Kli. Where it says, so he's switching between the left and the right foot is considered to be okay by Chalitza. Certainly over here, where you just lost the outer strap. So even though it won't be considered a shoe for Shabbat, it won't be considered a shoe or sandal for Tumah, just like switching between the left and the right. Mara says, wait a minute. Use the left shoe to do the right foot. That's kshira. Because on the left foot, it's a full-fledged shoe or full-fledged sandal. It's functional. It works perfectly. It just happens to be on the wrong foot. Over here, when I'm missing the outer ear or the outer strap, it can't function. So why should it work by Chalitza? The reason it's not a Kli in Tumah, the reason it's not a Kli for Shabbat is because it's not a Kli. 
It's not functional. If it's not functional, why should it work for chalitza? The outer strap breaks, then it's tahor. Alma lav manuhu. That proves to you that it's not a kli. If you say it's tahor, it's not a kli. Even if you fix it afterwards, it's chidushu. Something now that you've changed in the nature of the shoe, and it was not functional, now you made it functional again, it doesn't go back to its old tumah, it's tahor, and it starts the process over again. Where it says, Lolam They said it in the sheet of Yudah, but Eima don't say not for chalitza. Say including chalitza. And that comes to teach us. When did we say when you switch the left foot onto the right foot that that's kasher? That's when on the other side it is considered to be a kli. Over here, it's not a kli. It's not functional when you lose the outer strap. If it's not functional, then you can't use it for chalitza. So it's coming to teach us that Shabbat, Tuma, Chalitza all have the same din here because it's ois kli. It's not a kli anymore. If it's not a kli anymore, it's not functional anymore. Shabbat, it's muksa. By Tuma, it's tahor. And by chalitza, it's not can't be used for the chalitza. What's interesting here is that the Gemara, by amending the statement of Rabbi Yochanan, says, oh, that works according to Rabbi Yudah. Why couldn't they say the same thing in the sheet of the Rabbana? According to the Rabbanan, you could say, oh, since for Shabbat, it's the Kli, and for Tumat, it's the Kli, so too for Chalitza, it's the Kli. And that would have been true in the statement of the Rabbanan as well. So Rashi notes that we wouldn't say that over here. We wouldn't have set up the Rabbanan like this in Rabbi Yochanan. Tell us that it is considered to be a Kli. Then what's the Chiddush in Rabbi Yochanan? If it is a Kli, then we have it explicit in the Mishnah. And we know that if you switch from the left to right, it's not Pasul. According to the Rabbanan, who believe that it is a Kli, then what's the Chiddush here when you would say, if for Shabbat it's a Kli and for Tumat it's a Kli, then certainly for Chalitza it's going to be a Kli. Chalitza has the lowest standard. So there'd be no Chiddush in the statement of Yochanan to say that if the Rabbanan considered it a Kli by Shabbat, a Kli by Tumat, that they should also consider it a Kli by Chalitza. And therefore the Gemara was forced to say that Rabbi Yochanan speaking in the sheet of Rabbi Yudah tells that the same din that applies by Shabbat and Tumat, that it's not a Kli, will also apply to Chalitza. Even though Chalitza has the lowest threshold, the lowest standard, nevertheless, it's still considered to be a, not a Kli over here. We have a principle from Rabbi Yochanan comes up in Shas a lot. The Rabbi Yochanan says Allah is always like a Stam Mishnah. Mishnah that does not have the name of the author mentioned in it. Allah is like that Mishnah. It's not. And we have a Mishnah in Kelim that says Sandal, Sandal in which one of its ears fell off and one of its strapping, side strappings fell off. And he fixed it to make midras. It remains to make midras. On the other hand, if you have the second one break off, so then the second one breaks, and then he fixes it. Tahor midras. It's tahor from tumat midras about magam midras. So what we have over here is a sandal, sandal that's being worn by a zav. Sandal that's worn by a zav makes it tumat midras. If one of the straps fall out, and then you fix it, Gemara suggests over here is that it's Tamei Midras. Tamei Midras means that it remains a Kli. Just because one of the ears, the strappings fell off, does not make it that it's not a Kli. And so when the strap fell off, it remained a Kli. And when you fixed it, it still remains the same Kli. If that's the case, it was already Tamei Tumat Midras. It will continue to be Tamei Tumat Midras. Nothing will change with regards to this sandal. On the other hand, if after you fix the first one, the second ear or strap falls off, and you fix that as well, 
At that point, we say that the Tumat Midras is gone because, we'll get to this a little later, that it's Panim Chadoshot, Baudukan. You've made such a significant change in the sandal now from its original state that it's no longer the original sandal. Had both strappings or both ears fallen off at the same time, everybody agrees, even the Rabbana and even Rabbi Yehuda agree that that is Tahor because it's no longer a Kli. So over here, because you did it piecemeal, you did it sequentially instead of having it happen simultaneously, Gemara says the same din is true. When you do it sequentially, after you, the second one rips off, already the shoe is no longer the original shoe. It's no longer a shoe. Ah, you fixed it now. Once you fixed it now, you're starting from scratch. The Mishnah there says that you're Tamei Maga Midras. It's equivalent of coming into contact with Tumat Midras because the sandal, sandal itself was Tamei Tumat Midras. You fixed the first strap with the new piece. That new piece is not Tamei Tumat Midras because it wasn't attached when the sandal became Tamei Tumat Midras. Now that you attach it to Tumat Midras, it becomes a Maga Midras. It's in contact with something that's Midras and so because of that, it has Tumat Maga Midras. Then the second one breaks. When the second strap breaks, the shoe or the sandal loses its status as a Kli and it loses all the Tumat of Tumat Midras. On the other hand, that little strap that you'd fixed before, that was Tamei Magamidras. So when you fix the sandal, you put it together now, the whole sandal takes on the properties of that little strap, becomes Tamei Tumat Magamidras. It's coming into contact with the Midras. But what you see from this Stam Mishnah is, that after the first one tears, it's still Tamei. It's still considered to be a Kli. It's only not considered to be a Kli after the second strap tears. That's like the Shito of the Rabbanan. And that's what Lamar says, my love. Doesn't matter which one of the ears or strappings fell off, you are considered to be Tamei. That means it's still a Kli. So that would be against Rabbi Yehuda's position who differentiates between which fell off. Where says, well, Nimit Davka. It's only the inner one where we say that. Where in this Mishnah, the outer one would have been Tahor. Had you taken it off, had it fallen off first, it would have been Tahor. If that's the case, instead of then having the second part of the Mishnah read, you know when it becomes Tahor? When the second ear or the second strapping falls off and you fix it, then it's Tahor. Let us make a finer distinction within the first case. What is that true? It's only true that when the first one breaks, it remains tamez. When the inner strapping breaks, or the inner ear breaks, it's the outer ear, the outer strapping, Case here is that there are multiple straps, multiple ears to this sandal. As opposed to our assumption until now, where there were just two ears, or two tarsiyot that sealed up, that you tied up to make the sandal stay on the foot, over here, we're going to talk about multiple strapper ears that come in, similar to some of the Roman sandals that had that were laced up by having multiple of these ears go up the side. So since you have multiple ears going up the side, then we have a situation in which two of them could break, and it could be Tahor, which is that two of them that break off are on the outside, and that's why it says two. If one of them on the outside broke off, that'd be fine. Once two of them break off on the outside, then it's not functional anymore. That's why it's Tahor over here. And that will work even for Rabbi Yehuda. Because Rabbi Yehuda says the only thing that matters is the outer ears, not the inner ears. So since the outer ones broke, according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's Tahor. Whereas if the inner ones had broken, we wouldn't have cared about it because he would stitch them up and he would keep them that way. The reason we'll set this up in a difficult manner is in order that Rabbi Yochanan Shita can be consistent that he says and the fact that he says that Allah is like Rabbi Yehuda. In order to reconcile those two statements of Rabbi Yochanan, we're willing to 
make an assumption like this in the Mishnah that we're talking about four strappings and ears rather than the standard two. They have a statement from Rav that the loch is like Rabbi Yehuda. And now we have an explicit statement from Yochanan that the loch is not like Rabbi Yehuda. So Rabbi Yochanan, wait a minute. Did Rabbi Yochanan really say that the loch is not like Rabbi Yehuda? Don't we have that statement? The fact that Rabbi Yochanan explained the bright according to Rabbi Yehuda, Shemami Nakh, Rabbi Yehuda, Sirila, it sounds like he holds like Rabbi Yehuda. When it says, Amorayinin hu valibid Rabbi Yochanan, Machlakut Amorayim, as to the position of Rabbi Yochanan. In our case over here, it's Ki Ata Ravin, Amar Rav Ghanan Bar Abo. Ravin is bringing this memory from Rav, and then he brings it from Yochanan and says, Rabbi Yochanan said that Allah is not like Rabbi Yehuda. On the other hand, on our previous Amud, the statement was made in the name of Rabbi Barbarchana, which is Amar Ula, Vitema Rabbi Barbarchana, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. So it's either Ula or Rabbi Barchanan in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. So we have one Amora saying that the Rabbi Yochanan says the Lach is Rabbi Yehuda. And we have another Amora, Ravin, who says that Rabbi Yochanan says the Lach is not like Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, now the Gemara says, Tanahatam. We had a Mishnah over there, Mishnah in Kelim, a Mishnah that we bumped into again in Shabbat a number of times. Call Clay Balei Batim Shiram Kirimonim. Clay Lilo Balei Batim, in order that they will lose their shape Clay, they have to have a hole in them the size of Rimonim, the size of pomegranates. Once it has that size, nobody would use it. Has a hole the size of an olive, and then he fills it. He seals up the hole. And then he has another hole that comes up the size of his zayit. Again, he seals it up. Until he has sufficient holes that he's patched, that he adds all those holes together that are patched to the size of Rimon. Mahu, what's the din? Amalei Rabbi Yochanan. He's Rabbi Yochanan. Answer him says. Rabbi Shanita Lanu Sandal Shenifsika. Rabbi taught us about a sandal that broke Achat Milznav, one of its ears, Vitikna. He fixed it, Tamei Midras. Nifsika Shnia. The second one breaks off Vitikna. Tahormina Midras. Aval Tamei Magamidras. Then it's Tahormina Midras, but Tamei Magamidras. Ramina Lacha. Maishna Rishona. Da Kaima Shnia. What's the difference when the first ear or strapping falls off that it's still considered to be Tamei when you fix it? Because the second one is still there. Shniya nami, so too when the second one rips off, ha metakna rishona. You already fixed the first one, so the first one's a part of the shoe or the sandal now. So when the second one falls off, why should that automatically make the glee to her, make the shoe to her? It should be that we still have one strap there, it should be fine. The answer is, We have a new shoe here. New shoe is not determined by simply the individual discrete fixings. That means if you fix one strap and you fix one ear, or in the utensil here that has holes in it, that each time you fix the hole, we look at it as a discrete event. That's not true. We add up all those discrete events, and we look at it, what's the totality of what's happened to this glee? Is it the same glee that we started with, or is it a different glee now? And the answer is that if it reaches the threshold, like by the clay balibatum of Rimon, over here our threshold is two strappings, two ears to fall off. If it reaches that thre- threshold, we invoke this principle upon him, and we're no longer dealing with the original glee. Whatever you fixed or patched in is as if it's new, and you have, if you have enough new, then it's no longer the old glee anymore. We have a new shoe here. We're going to say panim chadashot baulukan with regards to the second strapping. So hachanami in our case too, we're going to say panim chadashot baulukan with regards to the clay balibatim of Rimon. 
Karilei, he said about Rabbi Yochanan, after hearing this, he says, late Dain Barinus. This person's not human. I mean, that he's so great, so amazing, he's not human. That's a real man. He said about Rabbi Yochanan, that he was able to answer it. He's a real man. If the original, if the earlier generations were the children of angels, then we're children of humans. If the earlier generations were children of humans, then we're like donkeys. Not like the donkeys of these Tanaim, who their donkeys kept halacha. We'll say it this way. Story of Rav Pinchas ben Yair, where his donkey refused to eat from Tevel. When he was fed Tevel, he refused to eat it. So these are unusual donkeys. The truth is that there is no donkey found in the Gemara Tanit with regards to the stories of Rechanina ben Dosa. Over there, <clears throat> there is a story about Rabbi Yossi Demin Yokrat, not his donkey. And that's most likely, some changed the gears, so that's most likely what should have been here. There is an Avotar Rabbi Nata in a case of a donkey of Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, and maybe that's what Gemara is referring to. But either way, the point being that as the generations move on, there's what we call Yuridat Hadorot, that the earlier generations are closer to Arsinai, they are much greater than us, and we only live in the shadow of those earlier generations. So assuming that's why Hizkia spoke that way about Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan being from the earlier generation. But no, those Yayin Vishemen, flasks of oil and wine, you're allowed to untie and tie on Shabbat. Shita again, what's the consideration? You tie it and untie it all the time. It should be mutalachatfila. It has two spouts, two openings in the flask. What's the fear here? It will only use one of the openings or one of the spouts. The other one will leave sealed all the time. If that's the case, then that seal is at least an Yisud Rabbanan because you're going to leave it there for long duration. And you're, since you're only opening and closing the one side, then maybe we would think that those knots considered to be kayama. Sagmar says, no, Kamashman, we don't say that. If it has two openings, two spouts, we assume you're going to use both. And when you tie it and untie it, we're going to assume that it's not a kesher that is problematic. Deira shel basar, you have a pot of meat. So again, this we're talking about the cover that used to tie on top of the pot of meat. Pshita. Again, here it's pshita. You have to open up the pot. You have to get stuff out of the pot. Of course you can untie it. Tzrichaditla shalacha. Our gisr, the gisr of the arach is shalavah. That it has a spout opening cork. It has another place where you can get the food out of the pot. If there's another place where you have to get the food out of the pot, the, when you tie the cover on top, you don't necessarily have to remove it to get access to the food. So, what I've thought is that you're the covering on the pot, and you're going to leave it there permanently because you can access the food through the other opening. that We don't say that even though there's another opening, we assume that whatever cloth was tied on top will be taken off and on at a regular interval. Rabbi Yosem Yaakov says in the Mishnah, you like to put up strings in front of an animal to stop the animal from going out. Where it says, Pshita, again, what's the consideration that you shouldn't be mutalachat chilop? Where it says, The case where it has two strings that go across, that's one possibility, or the other possibility, it's one string and it's tied on both sides. So if you have two strings going across, he'll leave one of them in place, and he'll only undo one of the strings when the animal needs to cross through. He needs both strings there to prevent the animal from crossing through. If he takes one of them away, then the animal can get through. So he's only going to remove one to allow the animal in and out. He'll leave the other one there permanently. Or, according to the other way, we read it that our time had a single string and it's tied on both sides. You would think that he would leave one side tied all the time. And then to open and close it, he'll tie the other side. So there would be the possibility that knot that's tied there that you don't undo each time. 
Maybe that should be problematic. Mashmalon is, no, we don't worry about it. Even with two strings, or when you tie it on both sides, assumption is that you're going to take it off at regular intervals. The aloha is like Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov. So by system, well, if you're saying the aloha is like Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov, it implies that others disagree. The Chamin would not agree with him. So he says, Why does it make a difference to you whether others argue or don't argue? You know what the aloha is. Now you have the answer. So he says, I'm like, Gemara Gumor is Murta Again, a similar statement that we saw before with regards to Abaye, which is, the Gemara is just a sing-song. It's just words that we say. If someone says, Allah is like Rabbi Lezim and Yaakov, that means that they mean something. We have to derive meaning out of it. The meaning is that others argue. Is that really true? So because of that, there's a question with regards to what it means that the Alokha gives Rabbi Lezer ben Yaakov. Is it like Rabbi Lezer Yaakov because the Chachamim disagree? Alokha Rabbi Lezer Yaakov because the Chachamim do agree to his position. That is unclear. And Abayi is suggesting the fact that you said the Alokha is like him implies that the others argue. That's why he asked the question. And the response being, why does it make a difference as long as you know who the Alokha is like and you know what to do? And he said back to him, no, there's the information's important because... We don't look at words of Gemara or statements like this willy-nilly. We try to understand them and we try to make sense out of Piske Halacha in this manner. Okay, we'll stop over here.